Our Seattle Storm beat reporter Rowan Sheberg is here to talk about everything that happened this weekend in Storm Mystics, not to mention the road ahead. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, happy Wednesday, everybody. I am Howard Megdahl, founder and editor of The Next. You can follow everything we do at thenexthoops.com. Subscribe $9 a year, or $9 a month, $72 a year to support great young journalists doing the work. Rowan Sheberg, one of them. You can also listen to us every weekday. Subscribe at Locked on Women's Basketball, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us here on YouTube. Or even better, make sure you're making us your first listen every single day. And Rowan Sheberg has just been doing just a bang-up job out in Seattle. I, I think it's worth pointing out, Rowan grew up a Storm fan, Rowan is making that jump. And the reason Rowan's able to make that jump is we're able to get her reps here doing the work. Uh, it, it matters. And so for those of you who are supporting us at the next, I really appreciate it. Rowan, it's delightful to see you always. Um, this past weekend, the Seattle Storm and Washington Mystics entered the weekend tied. They exited the weekend tied. No point to play in the games, right? We didn't learn anything. Not, not at all. No, nothing. Um, yeah, there was, there was a lot, a lot to learn. I think it was really cool that they went in um, tied and then they went out tied as well. Um, and yeah, I really kind of took a deep dive into both games. And um, I think it's those two games that they played were really good games to take a deep dive into because the teams are so similar and they play so similarly. And so I think it was kind of like, the teams were playing themselves and seeing where they had a lot of gaps in their, you know, in their play. And so now they're, you know, able to see what they need to improve on. And it was really cool to watch. So we're going to talk about the specifics of both Saturday and Sunday. It was a split. And we're obviously going to talk about some of the particulars because it matters not just for who is better and playoff position, but it matters also as we evaluate what these teams might match up like if they play in the playoffs. And there's a real possibility of that. But I just want to set the stage, if we can, for a moment. Bigger picture about the Storm and the Mystics. Uh, when we look back, I fully believe a decade from now, two decades from now, two of the transcendent players of our era that we were privileged enough to watch and you and I to cover are Brianna Stewart of the Seattle Storm and Elena Deladon of the Washington Mystics. And essentially, ever since Brianna Stewart got into the league, what's been in my mind is, all right, when do we see those matchups? Two six-foot-four, six-foot-five players, inside-outside players. They go about it uh, differently, but they're a matchup that we needed to see. And due to injuries, we haven't really gotten to see them at their best. I covered the 2018 WNBA Finals. It was a matchup between those two. But Elena was playing with a deep bone bruise and was not herself as much as she was a gamer as she always is and went for it. Uh, you know, 2019, 
Uh, we did not see Brianna Stewart. Uh, 2020, we did not see Elena Deladon. It's just been, we've been robbed of it, of what should be their prime. So really? yeah, purely from like that perspective, just from like a basketball watching perspective, how significant was it watching these two go at it this past weekend? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, thinking back to the 2018 um, series that they did, I kind of felt like the semifinals um, with Seattle and Phoenix was kind of more of a finals feeling. Yeah. And in the in the 2018 finals, it was just like, yeah, something was missing. You know, Elena wasn't playing the way that we all know her to play. And so it is true that like, what is it now? Like four years later, it's you, I feel like you finally got that you know, finals um, matchup feeling between the Mystics and the Storm. And yeah, it, it, it definitely didn't disappoint. Like Elena played really, really well. Um, Seattle, you know, their coach, Noel Quinn, was talking about how that was the main priority. You know, Ariel Atkins had a good game on Sunday, but just that Elena was the main priority and that they knew that going in and that, you know, she was so, you know, even though it doesn't, it's not great for the Storm, um, Noel Quinn was just really excited to see Elena back in, you know, her full, you know, being able to play the way that she used to be able to play. And so that definitely made it really, really fun to watch in those matchups between, you know, Brianna Stewart and Elena. It was awesome. You want to see that. You don't want to beat yeah. a team because the other, the other player, the other team's best player is injured. You want to beat right. a team you're able to uh, to outdo them. And so, again, I would note, when, when I kind of think about this, my top line is north of 30 minutes played per game each day from Elena, from Brianna Stewart. Number one, that's significant. Number two, the fact that Elena Deladon, who has uh, taken games off by design so far mm -hmm. this year. You know, she's playing with a degenerative back condition. She's managing and learning how to do it in a new way. You wouldn't know it. I mean, she's exactly. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But she is that she was able to play back to back. That feels like that has significance for the playoffs. Did you see anything on Sunday that made you think, my goodness, this is a, t a player who's compromised? And I just to sort of give the stats up top of it, 17.6 rebounds, 32 minutes played, 7 of 13 from the field. Wow. I mean, if you play 32 minutes and you're, you know, not that she's old or anything, but, you know, at, at the age that she is and how how long she's been in the league, like, I don't know how you could think that she, that something was wrong. Like, she's just, it's crazy to see how she's able to, you know, push through that and to still be really efficient. I think that that was another thing of, like, even if she's in the game, um, can she be efficient in the game? And she is like, it's, you know, it's, it's really crazy to see. And I think that um, she, the way that she takes care of her body, even, you know, despite all these things that have happened with, you know, her bone bruise and her back, like she, she just, it's, she's unstoppable. Like, I, I don't know how she can still have stats like that. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's really amazing. I, I struggle to shoot 50, 40, 90, and I don't have a back condition to an end. Exactly, so me neither. <laughs> it, it boggles the mind, but I, I think it's great to see for basketball. I'm, I'm excited mm -hmm. to see the way that matchup goes. Um, bottom line, coming out of this, who outperformed whom? Brianna Stewart, Elena Deladon. Who had the better weekend? Oh, that's really hard. I... I mean, probably I would say Brianna Stewart. I think that she's a little bit, if we're talking about MVP race, I would say 
Stewie's a little bit further um, than Elena, but when you see that, I feel like, you know, Stewie is, I don't know, kind of more supported by some of her other teammates. I feel like Elena is just really dominant. And I feel like Brianna has, you know, now you have Tina Charles with her and Ezzy Magbagor. And it's like, you know, she has that support from some other people down in the post. And I'm, and I'm not saying that Elena doesn't, but like, she's just so incredibly dominant um, down there. And so I, I, I don't know, that's actually, that's a hard question. I think that, I think that both of them performed really well in different, in different ways. I think that, um, I think that Brianna Stewart's defense was really great on Elena. I think that, um, you know, 17 points is a lot, but I think that um, she was a really, uh, she was really effective in um, defending her and, um, I talked a little bit about that where, you know, their traps were really good. And Noel Quinn was talking about how that was a main focus of trapping Elena Deladon and double teaming her. And I think the storm did really well, but Elena still, you know, has that really high shot that, you know, she can just get over anyone. So I think it's really, it's, it's a really hard question. I think they both are really hard to defend and did a really good job. It is fascinating. Don't feel bad that you don't have a set easy answer for that. I don't either. I've been covering them both for a very long time. I go back and forth in my mind as to who is the better player. I think it's going to be a debate we're going to be having. Uh, I think our grandchildren someday will have those types of conversations. Who was better in the same way that, uh, you know, Russell versus Chamberlain uh, was a debate on the NBA side and, and very sad that we lost. Bill Russell, uh, who I would be remiss not to point out, especially in a conversation about the storm, somebody who was a regular presence in Seattle and uh, just a a figure of importance in American history, but also somebody who clearly understood the value of the WNBA. So uh, very, very sad. May his memory be a blessing. Uh, I want to get into some particulars about the rotation, uh, it, because it's Wednesday and it's not like we're pre-recording this on Tuesday, your story is already up at the nexttubes.com. And so people are reading it. And uh, the baseball t- trade deadline happened yesterday. Um, there's been a sunset since we definitely didn't pre-record this on Tuesday. Um, and so we'll talk about all of those things. Uh, but first, I want to talk, if I may, about betonline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way. And I just, I always like to point this out, to check in on all your betting needs, right? It's not the men's sports. It's men's sports. It's women's sports. The WNBA is there. They have women's college basketball. Gina Oriema, back in 2017 at the Final Four, said that we're not going to see true parity between men's and women's basketball until you see people heavily betting on women's sports the same way they do men's sports. Now, I'm not a better, but that makes sense to me. You simply need to be able to access the games in all the same way, whether it's betting, whether it's fantasy, you know, whether it's, quite frankly, simply being able to watch it on TV. So seeing Bet Online be a part of that and be part of news and reviews of every league, including the WNBA, is significant. Head to Bet Online today. Make sure it's Bet Online and not one of these other betting sites where you go to and you can't find women's sports or it's not even there. Bet Online, where the game starts. And so where the game starts, we have a pretty good idea now as it relates to the Seattle Storm. But you wrote about this and quite well about the fact that where the Storm are sometimes running into trouble is over questions of their rotations. Take me through what you're seeing and where you think there needs to be some problems solved over what are the final five games of the season for Seattle. Yeah, I mean, there's the lineup is really complex, I think, for the Storm. And then now, especially with the 
recent addition of Tina Charles, which I think has been a positive addition, but it definitely threw some curveballs halfway through the season. And then now that, um, you know, Tina has been starting um, for like in the starting lineup for the past, I think, six games at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's just a lot of adjustments that are being made and it's a little bit awkward to be making these adjustments, you know, this point in the season. Um, I think that it's been kind of as seamless as it could be. I think that the coaching staff is doing a good job of, you know, kind of trying to feel out some different, um, some different rotations, but it's definitely something that they're going to need to figure out by the time we get to playoffs. Um, I just was noticing in the game on Sunday you know, just different times when you had the former starting five with Ezzy Magbagor and how that worked offensively, defensively. And then I also looked at, you know, when you have the now starting five with um, Tina Charles and just how the, you know, what what looks different. Um, and personally, I, I definitely thought that, you know, when I saw the former starting five, um, I thought the defense looked a little bit better. I thought it looked a little more cohesive and people were helping um, when needed. And I think that when it was kind of the the current starting five, I think there were some gaps and some um, kind of misread cues that I think are just things that, you know, come with reps. But um, I think that for right now, um, I would, I personally, if I was Noah Quinn, I'm not, but if I was, I think that I would put, you know, the former or the, you know, former starting five in, in those really high pressure defensive situations because they just seem to work well together. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just kind of what I noticed defensively. Um, But it's definitely still coming together. I think. It's interesting to me. So we're now five games in to Tina starting as he coming off the bench. And so I just throw a couple numbers out there. One is that Seattle's two and three over those five games. So it, it, it's hard to say that it is working in the immediate. Now you, you point out, and it's very significant, they're a playoff team. It's about figuring out what's going to happen beyond August 14th, not what happens until August 14th, although they are still playing for seeding. But I guess when Tino was signed, the idea was in large part, all right, this is a depth addition to an Ezzy season that was significantly, if not all-star, borderline all-star. And since Tina's in the lineup, Tina's averaging 29.9 minutes per game. Ezzy's averaging 17.3. You know, pretty clearly there's some overlap, but Mm -hmm. by and large, Tina has supplanted her as that primary big in those lineups. Flat out, should that be the case? Do you think this is a better team with Tina Charles playing more minutes than Ezzy? Forget down the stretch, just in total. I mean, I think that I think that Tina was a really great addition. I, I do think though that the minutes are I wouldn't I don't think that the minutes are great. I mean, I, I feel like I wrote it down somewhere before Tina um was here. I was writing an article and just the amount of minutes that as he was playing before Tina came was crazy. I remember one game she played like 36 minutes or something. And, you know, at the time, Noel Quinn was like, yeah, we're going to try and get as many minutes out of her basically as we can, because she's so young and she's able to, you know, play those minutes. And right. so I, I had no idea that that average had dropped that low because I remember looking and I want to say she averaged 32 minutes before, um, before Tina came. So I think that, the I think that Tina is a good addition, but I definitely think that 
as he needs more minutes. It seemed to be working really well when she was, she, you're right. She was definitely an all-star contender. You know, she's been talked about for most improved player, you know, defensive player of the year now, possibly sixth player of the year. Don't know where she is in that race, but you know, I think that she, she definitely deserves more minutes in my opinion. And I think that there's a way to, you know, have her play just a teeny bit less with Tina, but still keep their minutes pretty equal. Um, but I, I rewatched the fourth quarter um, of the game on Sunday and as he didn't play a single minute of the fourth quarter, which is kind of where the storm started to lose their lead a little bit. And, you know, just certain things like that, that I was noticing that, you know, she, she played very little minutes in that game. And I would be interested to see the, the difference in the outcome of that game. If, um, as he were to have played more minutes. It was fascinating. You had a really good observation talking about the fact that this team is using zone more. And it's almost like they're making a concession to uh, Tina as opposed to what Ezzy can do. But why are you doing that when you've got mm-hmm. Ezzy on the bench? But, you, you know, you talked to this to this point about, oh, is she now sixth player of the year? I don't think I can vote for her. I have a vote. But yeah. I don't think I'm allowed to. I believe, and you know, I, I haven't seen what the definition is for this year. But in the past, it's been she had to have started at least half of the games on the bench. Well, as he already has 23 starts this right. year, so she's ineligible mm-hmm. for that as well. It's just a, it's, it's a betwixt in between. And and we've we've covered Tina Charles uh, on this podcast before. I I've covered it for a long time, dating back to her New York years. So. I have a lot of respect for the player she is. I just, this was a big gamble with yeah. what is Sue's final year, what could be Brianna Stewart's final year in Seattle. This is a big gamble, and it's still oh. o- open question as to how successful that will end up being. But mm-hmm. how that will happen will have everything to do with what happens come playoff time. And so I had asked you a question on playback. Uh, which we had talked about. And again, I would urge all of our listeners to check out the link and head over to playback, you know, uh, make sure you're watching with us. Uh, We're going to be doing a lot of that come playoff time as well, uh, watching those games in real time. Um, But the question was, who is the best and who is the worst? Which one was it? Best or worst? It was the, the, of the six through 11 who are all battling and, uh, Alex Diamond of Bay Area News Group pointed out recently, there's still a scenario where all six can finish tied at 15 and 21. Just utter chaos, like my head will explode. But who would it be? Who are like the best matchups for them among those that group and the worst matchups? Keeping in mind, they still may end up in the four or five and not get to play any of them in the first round. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when you asked me this question, I had to think about it afterwards. And I um, I definitely think worst matchup first is Phoenix. Um, I, you know, been watching the Storm for years and it doesn't matter if the Storm is in 12th place, Phoenix is in first place or vice versa. It'll always be a battle. Like just somehow it doesn't matter what the talent level is on the team. Like that rivalry is just so so deep and um and I feel like everyone just completely turns it on for you know for the games that they play um think back to the 2018 semifinals like Mm -hmm. that was just you know the best series I've ever watched and so I definitely think you know and we saw that in the game a couple weeks ago where Phoenix just you know completely crushed the storm even though you know the storm was you know higher in the standing so it's just you know I think that that's a worst case scenario 
matchup just because of how unexpected and how unknown it is. You know, you can scout for a long time, but if Skylar Degg- if Skylar Diggins Smith has a good game, if Diana Taurasi has a good game, maybe throw Sophie Cunningham in there, like there's there's nothing the storm can do, it feels like. And mm-hmm. I think that that is probably the worst case scenario, probably best case scenario for fans, you know, wanting to see Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird again. But I think that Phoenix matchup would be kind of a nightmare. Um, and then I will just say, and, and not a lot of people have pointed this out, but um, both Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi went to UConn. Um, they actually played at the same, really? the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be you know, no idea. A, a little subplot, but it, you know, might get some mention, but you were saying, yeah, I'm, the the best case scenario I am kind of trying to think about. I need to kind of look back at some of those scores from um, from before. I know that tomorrow um, on the third, you know, the storm is playing the Minnesota Lynx at home. Um, oh, I just which, have to jump in. You mean yeah. today on the third? Oh, today. Excuse me. Today we're not at... recording this on Tuesday. We are. We are recording this. It's Wednesday, everybody. It is Wednesday, August third. It's, it's <laughs> totally. I mean, I think, yeah, today at 7 p.m., I want to say. Um, 10 p.m. by the correct Eastern. Yes. 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 Um, <laughs> the Storm is playing the Minnesota Lynx. I think we talked about them a little bit on playback where, you know, M- Minnesota is one of those teams where if they're having a really good night, I think that, you know, they can be really unstoppable. So, you know, if you have Sylvia Fowles having a good game, I've been really enjoying watching Ariel Powers um, and she, you know, had a few really big games. So that one also, I think, would be kind of a bad scenario because I think they're doing really well. So I don't know. I would say maybe Dallas. I think Stor- the Storm would be – that's a good matchup. I think that, you know, I think the Storm has played well against Dallas in the past. And um, so I think that that would probably be best-case scenario. But not sure if Dallas can really get high up in the standings um, enough unless the Mystics tank. <laughs> Unless the Mr. Tank. It's going to be fascinating to see, no question about it. I think Indiana is probably the answer for what would be the best matchup, but that feels very <laughs> unlikely. At, and I will just say, you know, the Minnesota matchup, the Storm have two left against Minnesota, including at Minnesota on August 12th. If you look at the Lynch schedule, I think they need to go at least three and two to get into that playoff position at least three and two. Uh, they've got a game against Phoenix. Uh, that seems winnable. Uh, they have another uh, against another one of the teams they're battling for the playoffs. Um, and I think they just need to split with Seattle. I think they need to, oh, Atlanta is who they've got. Atlanta's at home too. Uh, so oh, wow. these are just absolutely critical matchups for what could be the final few games of Sylvie Fowles' career. Going to be fascinating to see. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, When we think about where Seattle is in the pecking order, what do you think they are right now? If you were, if you were putting them in the power rankings among those five contenders, and I assume you have them in the five contenders, that's certainly, uh, you know, the consensus on it. Um, Do you think they are better than the Mystics right now? Or do you think they are better than Connecticut and Chicago right now as well? Oh, that that's hard. I think I do think that they're better than the Mystics if mm-hmm. they, you know, play their rotations right and, you know, in a certain way. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of the players and coaches were saying with those two games against the Mystics that it's really about which team made the right play at the right time because it was so close. And, you know, it just 
it could have kept going and been, you know, tied basically the whole rest of the way. Um, so I think that if, I think that the Storm could be better than the Mystics if they adjusted in certain ways, maybe playing Ezzy a little bit more in those critical moments. Um, and then a better than better than Connecticut or better than Chicago, I think that's that's a hard one. I also think that if they just cleaned up some small things, I think that the Storm could be really unstoppable. You know, they have the second best um, defensive rating behind the Mystics, and mm. they're not far off from um, being in first. And so I think that, you know, just some very slight little tweaks could get them, you know, number one defensive ratings. I think that they could really be unstoppable. But, you know, Connecticut's been hard to guard this season, and I think that um, that's kind of a matchup that, the storm doesn't really want to see either, but um, I think potentially, yes, they could be better, but it's, you know, there are a lot of really great teams this year and the three teams that are ahead of the storm right now are really scary to match up with. I I specifically didn't ask about Las Vegas because I feel like we don't know. Uh, They split with Las Vegas. They last played on June 29th, which feels like a year ago. There are two coming up on the 7th and the 14th. Uh, It's going to be, Utterly fascinating to see. Well, I want to thank listeners for uh, making us your first listen every single day. You subscribe to us on YouTube, everywhere you get your podcasts. It is free. Um, But I I found out just recently that there is a show and it's about a men's league, a professional men's league called the National Basketball Association. It's called Locked on NBA. And you get your latest news and rumors uh, every 30 minutes in the NBA. Now, Rowan, obviously Seattle is a women's basketball town. Do you think there could ever be a men's team succeed or is this just a market, you know, purely for women's basketball in Seattle? What are your thoughts? This is one of my favorite things to talk about, actually. I <laughs> I am, you know, I think Seattle is a women's basketball. It is. You're, like you said, it's a women's basketball city. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, we, we have, the storm has a ton of support, you know, been the game on the seventh against the aces is sold out, um, you know, got a new arena. I think, I think it's a, it's a women's basketball city. You can't, can't bring the national basketball association. Is that what it was? Can't bring that's, the- that's what I meant. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think there was a team there at one point, mm-hmm. but um you know, I, I don't know if they'll get another one. Uh, they were called the Seattle Supersonics. Um, but, you know, obviously, like I, I Seattle, um, a lot of credit. And I think that if, you know, people like Sue Bird, you know, if she jets back from her time uh, where she's owning Gotham FC next year and would really kind of endorse it, you know, maybe over time uh, you could develop a little bit of a following. But obviously uh, the Storm are first and foremost in Seattle. Um, in the event that happens, though, and, and again, there are other cities uh, that do have NBA teams, you know, make sure you're listening to Locked on NBA. It's your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. I, you know, the last part about the NBA and, you know, of significance, I believe that the Denver Nuggets hired Sue Bird as a front office person at some point. So, yeah, so like credit to the NBA, like they're learning, they're following in the footsteps, like a really solid little brother lead. Like, good luck to him. Good luck. <laughs> and Rowan, always a pleasure chatting with you. For those of you who are listening instead of on YouTube, at R O W A N S C H A B E R G, 
on Twitter, a must follow. Make sure you're with us tomorrow. We're going to have Olivia Nelson Adota join the program. We are here every weekday and Lord knows we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to continue five days a week right through clear the playoffs. So until tomorrow, I am Howard Megdahl, founder and editor of The Next, wishing you guys a wonderful Wednesday. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.